Welcome to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I'm Christopher Dedian, founder and CEO of Dedian Enterprises, Inc. We are committed to optimize people's performance with tools such as peak performance speaking, coaching, and consulting programs for a worldwide international community. We believe that the only difference between where you are and where you want to be is acquiring the knowledge you need and consistently utilizing that knowledge to become a peak performing individual in every area of your life. Stick around until the end of the show where we will reveal how you can become the next guest on the fastest growing inspirational educational podcast on the planet in 20 to 30 minutes. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I am your host, Christopher Dedian, and today I have Josh Little, the CEO and founder of Volley. Josh, how are you doing today? So good. How are you, Christopher? I am blessed. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, I gave a small introduction of like who you are. You have this great product, which is Volley, which is what I understood, a video messaging app that really entrepreneurs are using at a high level to just communicate and create better communities with their community and the people they serve. But can you unpack that a bit more? Talk to us about what you do, what is your product, and we'll kind of dive in from there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, Volley, yeah, you're right. Video messaging apps, so think uh, video texting. Um, and that's not what it is. That's not even a thing. But I sometimes when I say that, people are like, oh, I get it. It's sharing video messages back and forth asynchronously. It's kind of the, the richness of talking with the flexibility of, of texting. And why is that great? Because you can have flexible face-to-face conversation. So unlike this Zoom where we've got to get in the same place and at the right time and deal with technical difficulties and um, with Vali, you can just say what you want to say and move on with your day and others can respond in their own time. And so we, we started um, using with uh, Volley being used for remote work. That was kind of our initial go-to-market hypothesis. But what we found is a lot of entrepreneurs, creators, coaches using Volley for um, their community, their, their course discussions, the masterminds, group coaching. And those use cases are just wildly reproducible. And uh, we're trying to keep up with the growth right now, which is which is pretty exciting. So even though teams are using it to collaborate and we, we still think that's a great use, it's really Volley kind of putting the unity back in community because most community platforms are either a post paradigm or a, like a text chat paradigm. And there's just not a lot of humanity in that interchange. And with Volley, you, you see each other, you you hear the tone of voice, you hear the, you see the body language, you can see me on my walk or that I'm out feeding my chickens and, you know, like whatever's going on in my day when, when I'm interacting with the community. So it's kind of the fastest way to a human connection. Is, is that getting you there? Is that is it's, good it's enough? It's definitely getting me there. Definitely getting me there. Okay. And definitely as my listeners know, I am a professional speaker and a peak performance business and life coach. A tool like this is something I've been utilizing for a very long time to create more connection when somebody writes me an email or if I am reaching out to a prospect or trying to do my yeah. philanthropy work and so on and so forth through video messaging emails or apps and so on and so forth. Now, this is where I kind of want to uh, unpack a bit more where you come into the difference. Sure. What's the difference between your product and, and maybe there isn't a difference, that's perfectly okay, between your product and a product that's been out there like Boom 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 or SendSpark that creates that video aspect that you're able to utilize at a high level towards emails or direct messaging on LinkedIn? Yeah. Yeah. So those, even though something like 
BombBomb or Vidyard or or Loom. For, that, those are some of the ones that people often mention. Even though they call themselves video messaging, it's really video message, meaning I can send you a video. You can view that video and then comment on that video, but that's that's video message. That's more like YouTube, right? Mm. Um, uh, Volley is video messaging. It's two-way. So mm. I invite you to Volley. You come in. And we share video messages back and forth. I send you a video, you send me a video, but, but a volley can be a video, a screen record, uh, a text message, a, a file, a document, a GIF, whatever you need to share your message in volley. We have the full tool belt for you to do that. So okay. it's it's more like Marco Polo, if you're familiar with something like Marco Polo or, or Snapchat. It's like one of those tools had a baby with Discord. So that's the other difference is in volley, you're able to organize groups and conversations. So you can create a space in Volley, invite hundreds or thousands of people to it and have a face-to-face -face community where you have all of these channels organized by, by topic or theme or announcements or resources, or even a mini course inside of a Volley space. So we give you all of the tools that some of those um, the apps have with the functionality of something in the power of a community platform like Discord, for example, um, and let you kind of leverage the both, bo best of both worlds there. Okay, so I got it. So it's kind of like a, a Discord yeah. Slack, but with the aspect of being able to utilize the video and compared to the previous ones right. that I that we mentioned, like the bomb bombs of this world, bomb bomb is one directional. So somebody's viewing it towards the volley aspect, somebody will be able to reply with a video in itself. That's where we're kind of going towards yes. that community aspect. Now, I 100%... Yes. As you're saying this and you're saying that you're getting intrigued or getting a big community of the coaches uh, using this platform, I 100% see that. And I understand it because as you're saying it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this could be good for my group coaching aspect and so on and so forth. Now, my question within this, certain people, certain people are very, very comfortable on video. Me personally, I rather vid video or mm -hmm. voice thread so much more than text because I'm just more efficient in the speaking form. But there's other people that are not. Do you find that that clientele pushes away from this or they're opening up to this? Like, where's what has your research shown in that regard? Because I do see a balance of both because I message sometimes some, some clients, they message back. Sometimes I send video and some people voice thread back. So everybody's kind of unique. What would you speak to that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we have thousands of data points on this now and I wish... I could have known in the beginning what I know now. And because we started out with remote teams and, and that being kind of our go-to-market hypothesis, what we learned is, is there is a good percentage of people at work that still are, are interested in hiding at work. And, you know, you can, you can think about your Slack message for 10 minutes before you send it. You can leave your camera off on a Zoom call. You can take your cheap shot in a meeting, but in Volley, if you hit record, you're on. And if you don't have something to say, you're going to freak out. And, and so we saw this over and over, like one person on a team would, would say, Oh my gosh, this is the future of communication. Hey, everybody, here's the link to volley. Cancel that. This is our last Slack message ever. Here's the link. Get ready, jump in volley. And, and then there would be one or two or a few people, like you say, who are just uncomfortable mm -hmm. with, with being seen like, and so I just can't imagine a future of work that we want that's balanced and, and flexible that we're not all a heck of a lot more comfortable with video. However, what we learned today is the workplace may be a more high risk environment to, uh, to ask someone to show up uh, on video. And so the culture 
has to be right for a workplace to do that. However, what we're finding is creators and their followers or subscribers, it kind of isn't an all or nothing proposition. It's totally okay if they're you know, using volley to video with their community. Um, and then their communities, you know, chime me back in with a text volley or, you know, a, an audio volley that's, that's maybe less commitment for them. And, and the exchange still works. Like the, the community member is getting all of the value of the thought leader or the creator in that space. Um, and the creator is getting all of the exchange that they want with, with their audience. Um, and that doesn't, that, that doesn't play as well with teams. So yes, there is, even though there are tools like Snapchat and Marco Polo and they seem ubiquitous, holy cow, they are not. It's amazing to me the percentage of people that have never recorded a video of themselves in their lives. They've recorded videos of other people. Yeah. And I can I, I see them every day because we have conversations. You know, everyone who downloads the app gets a direct conversation with the Poly team. And they don't say, This is the first video I've ever made of myself. They say, I feel like I'm talking to myself. This feels weird. Can, do I have to look at myself? Oh, I don't know. You know, it, what about filters? Oh, I'd like to, I'd like, I need a cartoon filter or something. Like those are the things they say that say, I'm not ready for this. This is a big leap, right? And so we hear you, we hear you. So we would just kind of, foc- you know, change our focus to the markets who are, are ready. And I think the rest of the world will eventually get there. I love that. I love, first of all, your awareness because I think a lot of entrepreneurs have that mistake of like, hey, let me try to hit the masses or X, Y, and Z. But I think the reality is if you niche down and you know exactly that's the community that you're helping, then you'll be able to expand so much more. And if expansion is what you want. So if you know that you have this type of clientele that is very specific for Volley's usage, then you go hard in that. So I love that you're, you're very much aware of what works, like what industries could like uh, resonate with Volley in that regards. And Talking about this, so now you have a solid track record, and I do want to talk about this in regards to creating applications and getting that ball rolling. Talk to me about all the other ones that you had started and why you started Volley. I'm guessing it's because you saw a need. Was it something that you were frustrated because it didn't exist? How did this process happen for you, and why do you always come up with these ideas? How does that go with, with you as an entrepreneur? Yeah, well, I, uh, I you, it does seem that everything in my life has kind of led me to this point. Um, when you when you look backwards, however, I, I was kind of a reluctant entrepreneur. I didn't start my first company until my early 30s. Um, in fact, I grew up in rural Michigan, uh, where the the word entrepreneur just isn't used. Like nobody even knows what that is, or talks about that, or wants to be that. Um, so I, you know, I started my career as a teacher because that was one of the three options I kind of saw for me in my life. I, I saw how you could either work at the prison, uh, which we had a you know big prison in my hometown, or um, you could work at the power company like my dad did, or you could be a teacher or work at restaurants, I guess. But uh, I already did that and didn't want to do that anymore. So I became a teacher and, um, and realized that, you know, like day one, that wasn't going to be my thing. So I taught for a year and then moved on. Uh, trying to figure out what on earth someone could do with this skill set and found that sales was something that if, if you can convince 11th graders not to burn down a school, you can probably sell someone a thing. Um, so I was, I was quite good at sales um, and went to three, four, 500 companies in sales and sales training roles. But it was really 
scratching my own itch that caused me to start my first company, which was an e-learning company. And it was Maestro was my first company I started in 2007. It was just the company I wish existed. I wish we could just hand our content over to a company and they could turn it into this thing called e-learning so that we could scale our really, really expensive surgical training programs at Stryker, uh, which is a medical device company. And so it turns out uh, pretty much everyone else in medical device felt the same way. Every medical device training manager or CLO was like, yes, we need something like Maestro. So we were pretty successful pretty quickly. And um, it was from the back of that that I created a company called Bloomfire because I, I was able to see across the tops of all of these companies, the problems that existed in, in communication and learning at each of these companies. And, uh, I, and, and you know, we what we were doing at Maestro, this e-learning thing or training is only solving for like 10% of what you need to know to do your job. Um, and then what about the other 90% that you learn from the, a text message that this person sent or a video that that person created or this conversation? Where, How do you even find these things? Where do these things exist? How do you even give them to someone new? And what if someone leaves? And that's what Bloomfire was solving was this social learning that happens in organizations. How do we collect all of this? And so built that platform in 2009. Uh, it was acquired in 2011. Um, and then I thought it was done, got bored for a year, got back, uh, built a company called Quizzer. Um, and um, we thought that was a quiz tool for publisher, for teachers uh, going back to the well uh, and trainers. But then publishers started embedding quizzes on their website and before you know, it, we had hundreds of millions of people taking quizzes each month, and it was just wild growth. Um, uh, and stepped away from that company in 2016. Thought I was done. Uh, again, got bored, but really wanted to think deeply about what what's my magnum opus. Like, what do I really want to build for the world? So I spent two years looking through all kinds of ideas, a pickle company, a, a RV park roll up, a smart car air freshener, a bunch of software ideas until the pandemic hit. My love of communication, especially using video, all came together. And I was like, I know what the world needs, a better way to communicate face-to-face flexibly. And that's when we, I got the team together, started Volley. We started designing it that night, put the company together that week, and we were off to the races. So okay. that was probably a long story. Was that longer than- No, 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 that's, that's beautiful because- too deep. It shows you the journey of an entrepreneur and the base of what entrepreneur is, it solves a problem. It sees a problem or it yeah. sees something that they're lacking in their personal life. And they're like, how can I have a better this? And they create it, or they see something that they're using and they're like, oh, this could be better if X, Y, and Z. So th- that's what it shows over there. Now, my question to you in regards to starting Volley and looking at the other ones and kind of doing what you, you did with all those other startups, do you, how do you approach this startup in itself? Now, what do I mean by this is what is your exit strategy with this? Do you want to get it IPO? Do you want to sell it? Do you want to keep it for the rest of your life? Cause this is your project. Like how do you approach when every single time you restart something new, what's the end goal here? Well, the, the only way to approach it is to build a valuable enduring company that you are willing to stay with for the rest of your life. Um, mm-hmm. But me knowing what game I'm in, I know that's probably not going to be the case if we build something really valuable that's hundreds of millions of users that is kind of becoming ubiquitous. Like it's going to be valuable and all of the investors and, you know, initial founders around the table are, you know, probably going to say yes to an exit along the way. But if you start with that framework or that mentality, I think it's just a recipe for disaster because you're optimizing for the wrong things. You're optimizing for the exits. I just say, Travel on a, a highway that's worth traveling and there'll be all kinds of exits all along the highway and you can just exit whenever you want. 
I, Josh, I love that. Like 10 points for Gryffindor on that one. The reason why is, <laughs> yeah, I'm a Harry Potter geek. Uh, the reason why is because that's actually one of my main pillars in my coaching ideology is that first and foremost, you create massive value, then massive impact, then the income will follow. And that's the way you approach. Yeah. So even though you know that there's some people that think of the end in mind, but if you're approaching a business, knowing that you want to sell it, knowing that you want to uh, get an IPO or whatever the case is, you're not probably going to do it for the right reason. So you're doing it for the value reasons. And that analogy that you give with the highway mm-hmm. is so spot on. You're getting on the highway, drive on it as much as you want. You could go on the fast lane, you could come off. And then at a certain point, when you want to exit, there's a bunch of exits around the road. And then you pick the one that fits best for you. So I love that. Absolutely. Now, another thing that I kind of want to switch to, because you, you did mention it and I did see it in, in, your, in your notes, is that you have a passion for making pickles. And if I'm not mistaken, you have started a business within that. Let's talk about that. Why did you decide to do it? Is this just a passion project? Is it something that brings us some revenue? And how did you get passion for doing pickles? I feel like it's kind of like left field. I'm really interested. Well, uh, my family, they didn't have money, but they had great pickle recipes. And my great great grandfather wrote them down in a leather bound notebook. And um, that today that sits in my safe <laughs> rather than gold coins or, or dollars. Um, and they're really good pickles. And uh, I used to make them when I lived in Michigan with my dad. When I moved to Utah, I started making pickles for friends out here. And pretty soon it became friends of friends. And I had just never seen anyone react so positive positively to a product than these pickles. And they do, they're, they're, you cannot get anything like it in the store. It's kind of an old world recipe, cold packed, um, just crispy, crunchy, perfect balance of salt and garlic and dill um, and vinegar. Like it's, they, they're phenomenal uh, pickles and, and everyone else agrees. Uh, however, um, once you've built three software companies uh, and, you know, this was my this was the first up idea when I, when I was like, you know what, I'm going to get back up and I'm going to crank one over the fence. What should I do? Pickles was the first idea up on the list. And so I hired a pickle scientist, turned my shop into a pickle lab and I made hundreds of batches of pickles. Um, and turns out, uh, it's possible to, to make a, a, a um, like a, a consumer version of these pickles. Uh, however, if you, if you've ever looked at the PNL for a software company, and then you look at a PNL for a pickle company, um, you cannot get excited about a PNL at a pickle company because it's just a grindy capital intensive yeah. business that will take decades. And this is why all of the pickle companies are like, you know, 80, 100 years old is they've been around a long time. They're selling 175 million jars a year so that they can make their, you know, $5 million in profit. And it's, it's just like, yeah. wow, if you slip up even a little anywhere in that supply chain, you're, you're ruined yeah. for years. So I just, I knew that I, I could do that. And that would be a total hipster move for me to do that. But I, I don't know that I really want to spend the next 30 years of my life building a pickle company when I can get 99% of that value growing, um, still making pickles with my family. Uh, and we only jar what we can grow on our acre and a half here in Utah. And that's just the limit. And I sell them once a day a year and I sell out within like two hours and, you know, that's fun. And my kids make more than any, you know, paper route or you know, other business by, by doing that. And I teach them how to farm and, you know, have a, have a little business. I love that. 
I love that approach. I love the fact that you highlighted definitely the difference between your margin in rec- in in regards to a food product yeah. or a physical product towards the tech world. Obviously, the margins are, are are not comparable. And then if you're approaching it like that, it is uh, quite shocking in that regards. Uh, Josh, now obviously you're a successful entrepreneur, especially in the tech world and so on and so forth. And we learn so much from people's successes, like success leaves clues. I truly believe that. But we don't only learn from people's successes. We, leave, we learn from people's failures. We learn from people's difficulties and so on and so forth. And here's my question to you. What mm-hmm. are you currently dealing with with your business right now that might be frustrating you, that might be a bit more difficult, and you're trying to overcome it? So first of all, what is that thing that you're dealing with? And second of all, how do you go about approaching it to succeed or deal with that problem uh, per se? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I can tell you what is like top of my mind right now. However, Volley is a very unique product and very few people build like free products with product like growth network effects. So I'm just wondering if that, uh, because the interesting thing about Volley versus my last few companies, which were sales led growth models, and you can kind of cheat with those. You can, you can generate lists of leads and hire more sales reps, and you can convince people to buy products um, that they don't even want sometimes. Um, and they'll continue paying even though they haven't used them. But with Volley, we're, we're like riding the rails of truth, like uh, with, a, with a consumer facing mobile app that's a communication app, given app fatigue, given that there are a lot of apps out there. Um, the app has to be so good that people can't uh, not look at it, right? And so that that's the challenge is like um, activation and retention of someone in a new app. And we've got some pretty crazy activation numbers and we've got people spending 20, 30, 40 hours a week in volley in some of these communities, which is bonkers. And maybe that scares you away. I don't know, but for a product developer like myself and for an investor, like the investors we have, that's a really cool thing. Cause you know, it's really hard to get someone to visit your app even every day for a minute rather than, for like half of their day. Um, so, so those are the things that I'm focused on is in just trying to nail this product and, and scale it. Um, so, but, you know, I, I just, I, I, that might be like, uh, but I'm already going there. The thing I would say though, l- let me give you a, a better answer that I think is more broadly applicable. One of the challenges that I've faced as an entrepreneur um, it, it, and, and a leader is, with withholding feedback. Um, that's been one of the big challenges of my career um, is just kind of like not, not playing with all cards on the table and, and avoiding conflict um, just because I want things to go right. And people are like making a big bet on working at my company and they could go work anywhere else. Right. And we're, yeah, we're paying them well, but maybe not quite as well as they could. And so Trying, try, trying to avoid conflict really just mounts and mounts and mounts. And um, that's something I have, I have pretty much crossed the chasm on. Like I've, I've been able to mine for conflict and really, um, uh, you know, I think ha- have healthy conflict in companies and, and now at Volley. And, and so I don't think there's a lot hidden, but I think in the past, that's something I've, I've really struggled with. And it's taken me the better part of a decade to really be come good at that and have those hard conversations. Okay. So I love that you highlight that because as a leader, as a CEO, as whatever position you have, that you have people around you, conflict is a part of it. It's a necessary part of it. Mm -hmm. And to look at it, it's kind of, I do an analogy with diamonds, right? Like diamonds are 
initially not pretty at all. What it takes is a lot of pressure, a lot of friction, then it becomes this beautiful diamond. And that's where I really believe that that conflict resolution aspect happens. So how did you go about doing that shift from running away from conflict and realizing, oh, certain conflict is good and approaching it X, Y, and Z way? How do you go about it now as a seasoned entrepreneur? Well, I think there are a few guides along the way. Some of Pat Lencioni's work, um, you know, like the book, The Advantage, uh, just give, or, or like The Five Dysfunctions. It's kind of like beneath conflict is trust. Like if you can't have conflict, you have to look the layer deeper because if, you, if, if conflict is hard for you, there's probably a trust problem and mm. that should be addressed before you can address the, the lack of conflict, um, right? And, and then how do you even address those trust problems? What, what are in the way of those things? Well, some hard conversations, which is more conflict, right? So it kind of comes back full circle. Uh, and then how do you even have those car, hard conversations? And then I, I got to the point where I probably the, the pendulum swung too far and I was willing to do surgery on any red bump that existed in any relationship. You know, it's like, let's cut that thing out. And sometimes those red bumps just go away and you don't need to do surgery. So it's, it's kind of learning that right balance of like, is this thing, you know, malignant or benign and do we need to do surgery or do we just let it go? Um, and that's taken a lot of time in the saddle. Um, so uh, yeah. I can't, I can't point to any like magic magic other than having hundreds of these experiences over the last decade. But know? I think you did. And that I, I would, Translated to one word, which you kind of mentioned is that awareness is that awareness of like, Hey, is this problem something I need to jump on right away is something I need to sit on and kind of let it marinate. And you said like that little red dot will kind of go away before doing surgery. So it's that approach of just being mindful to see how that's going to evolve and then take your action in consideration, not necessarily not looking at it or whatever, but being very aware and intentional about how you approach it. I think yeah. that's where you're kind of going about it. I, I love that aspect. And uh, Josh, before before we, we jump off here, I want to ask you a couple of last questions. So first and foremost, okay. let's just talk about after people listen to this, they're super excited. They want to use it, your, your app. Where can they go get it? One, I'm guessing on all the app stores, but I want a bit more detail. Sure. How much does it cost? Mm-hmm. What do you suggest of like, what type of client should be using it and how should they approach using it once they're interested in having it? Yeah. Um, and so the best way is either go to the app store, or the Google play store, but volleyapp.com is our website, which we also have a desktop app. That's where you would download that. So volleyapp.com is where to go. Um, the product's free at this point um, because we and our investors know we're onto something big and they're, they're very interested in us staying focused on nailing the free product and just turning that into a runaway train of growth, which is what we're doing. And um, I mentioned before kind of the ideal users, which is someone with expertise, whether they, they call themselves a creator, a coach, a speaker, a thought leader uh, that has an audience, probably more, they're probably in a situation with more um, demand than supply, meaning there's just not enough of them to go around and they're trying mm. to scale themselves. And so that could be a solopreneur, somebody who's creating courses. Like those are some swatches on the mood board of, of the like ideal user of Volley because then you can share your public link and have people inbound uh, to you. You're, you're going to free up time on your calendar as well as be able to create community and mastermind and, and do like group coaching with, with an app like ours. So it's free. There's like very little risk in going to check it out. So yeah, I'd say I love go it. download it today. 
I love it. And one last thing, how, I don't know if you're, you could answer this depending what your contracts are with your investors. How many users do you currently have on it? What's the download rate? Uh, yeah, so that that's off the table to be discussed at this point, but we're, we're in the tens of thousands of users okay. and our, our growth is, um, yeah, worthy of uh, investment from Bay Area um, nice. investors. I so, love that. You know, I love that. Very much in the realm of uh, what's interesting to them. Josh, I really appreciate that. Thank you for bringing this product in the forefront. I'm actually going to take a look at it. Obviously, I took a look at it in regards to before having this great conversation with you, but I'm actually going to download it and see and show it to my team and see if that's something I could implement in my business as a coach, as a speaker, and so on and so forth. So thank you for creating a product for us. Keep up your amazing work. And it was a real pleasure having you on the show. You bet, man. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you. All right. Christopher Dedian here. Thank you so much for listening to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. If you're a successful entrepreneur or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot of your phone, text it to a friend, or post it on the socials. If you know somebody that could be a great guest, please tag them on social media to let them know about this program. And don't forget to include the hashtag Peak Performance Greatness. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We regularly put out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and click that subscribe button. Your thumbs up, rating, and review go a long way to help us promote this show, and it would mean a lot to me as well as my team. You want to know more? Go ahead and visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or my YouTube channel at Christopher Didia. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Have a blessed and grateful day.